0: print maps from your hunt areas download it today at the apple app store or google play hunt stand upgrade your arsenal hey guys and gals welcome to the oklahoma outdoor podcast where you will be educated entertained and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience so hold on tight because here we go Welcome to the show, everybody, but more important than that, welcome to November. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, it's November 1st. If you're listening to this after the day it comes out, it's probably still November. So either way, guess what? It's November. It's that special time of year. It is time for the deer to go crazy. It is time for just awesomeness, all-around all awesomeness in the woods. Um, I'm sitting here recording this as this cold front is moving in absolutely loving what i'm seeing uh you know some wind uh some cold temperatures some some odd winds like uh yesterday there was if yesterday the wind blew east and then later it was blowing west um and so just a good recipe for everything you know whether you're a deer hunter a varmint hunter a duck hunter it's just getting to that time of year that all those things become really special and so, I'm glad you guys are here this week. Uh, I'm going to keep this intro pretty darn short. Um, I got a great interview with my uh, new friend, Shane Roy, and it's a good one. And we had a, a really long but awesome talk, and so I'm excited to get into it. I uh, just want to give you guys a real quick what's going on in my life right now. Uh, so, I, I'm I, I'm recording this intro on a, th- a Wednesday. What's today? Wednesday. Um, so I work tomorrow, most of the day, and then I took a vacation day on Friday. And so I'm having my first like full, completely free hunting weekend of the entire year. So I went last weekend for the whole weekend. Um, but I had to take a guy, uh, I not had to, I got to take a guy hog hunting, uh, from our old church, uh, Saturday evening. And so, uh, you know, just cut into my hunting time a little bit, but obviously I was more than happy to do it. But this weekend, I have no more obligations. I'm um, taking the day off Friday, so I'm going to head out uh Thursday, hopefully get in the get in in time to hunt Thursday afternoon, uh Friday morning, Friday evening, Saturday morning, Saturday evening, and Sunday morning. And so I'm just so excited for it. Um, I do have one of my buddies coming up, but you know he's not the type of buddy that I have to kind of like cater to and babysit. Uh, you know he's a great hunter himself, and so uh, we just kind of worked out an agreement. He's going to come hunt my place; I get to go hunt his place. Um, so yeah, it's a great great, great compromise. And uh, basically, you know, all I have to do is you know show show him where the stands are, and he can kind of take care of himself. And so so yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to get to hang out with him, uh, hunt with him hunt uh, all weekend like I'm just so ready Uh, the weather could not be any more perfect Uh, I love hunting Halloween weekend I know a lot of people say it's too early or not that good and I actually used to say that myself Uh, on previous places that I've hunted I never thought like this last week of October was that great Um, but then for some reason on this property that I'm hunting now that like this weekend is just the weekend like I don't care what the weather is It doesn't matter what the moon is, like they just love to move around these couple days around Halloween. So very excited. I got all the time in the world to hunt. Like I said, the weather's cooperating. Um, but I also love that the weather's going to be a little different. Like we're gonna have some different winds throughout the weekend. So I can hunt different stands. I can move around and, um, you know, I've been seeing some deer kind of getting fired up on the cameras. I did see that nice, uh, buck last weekend. I'm pretty sure he was a four year old. Uh, he was like 160 yards. I had my muzzleloader with me, but he just wasn't something that I was quite interested in shooting. Uh, I might shoot him with my bow, but I just don't think he was worth using up my gun tag. And so, and actually, it's a deer. If it's the one I think it is, I would love for my brother to shoot him. And so, so yeah, anyway, that was last weekend. Uh, finally saw some deer. Finally got a little hunting in. Um, and then this weekend, I am just so ready so ready and so yeah uh, you guys well actually you know the weekend will be over by the time you guys are listening to this but uh, hopefully you know you'll check out my Instagram and uh, and hopefully I had some success or at least saw some deer and uh, but more important than more important than that uh, I'm just excited to have a good time this weekend and get out there and just immerse myself in the whitetail woods i'm so ready for this and you know i'm just going to keep going after that Uh, i think uh, the following weekend is the texas rifle opener i'll probably go out to actually my buddy that's coming up to hunt with me this weekend i'm going to go to his weekend most likely that uh, for the opener probably going to take my bow and my rifle uh, his place is out in west texas and you know rattling and that type of thing works really well and so more than likely we'll uh, in a rifle blind, you know, morning and evening. And then I'd love to go out in the daytime with my bow and try to rattle one in. I've never killed a buck, uh, in that method. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm rambling now. I'm just very excited about it, but all right, I'm going to shut myself off now. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, I'm talking to Shane Roy. He is the brother of Tyrell Roy, who's been on twice. Uh, Tyrell and his wife were on last week, actually. And before I had him on, I had already gotten uh, Shane's number to have him on. And just kind of the way it worked out, they got flipped around, had Tyrell on twice. So now it's Shane's turn. And uh, it was a really cool podcast. And we even got a little bonus at the beginning that I I wasn't quite expecting, but it worked out really well. Uh, Shane is a professional cameraman um he's filmed for multiple tv shows um you know shows that are on tv shows that are on youtube uh just all around and uh so yeah he's he gets to you know talk about that a little bit uh he talks about some south dakota mule deer hunting he talks about hunting some whitetails in oklahoma And he's just a cool guy. And so I hope you guys are ready for this. Like I said, it's a nice long one. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. And good luck to you all in this upcoming weeks. All right. Here's my interview with Shane Roy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Today we're talking to Shane Roy. How you doing, Shane? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. And for those of you listening, you might recognize that last name. That's because Shane is the brother of last week's guest, Tyrell. And uh, Shane, which one of you guys is older? Tyrell is. Tyrell's old. All right, you're the younger brother. I like that. So am I. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, Shane, before we get going here, why don't you just tell everybody, uh, you know, who you are, where you're from, and what you do for a living.
1: Yeah, um, my name's Shane Roy. I'm from, I guess, Central Oklahoma originally, but the last few years I've uh, moved up here, kind of Northwest Oklahoma. Uh, My wife is from up here, and I'm 24 years old, and I guess I film hunts for a living, basically. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I I,
1: I definitely
0: pretty good gig. uh Uh-huh. I definitely want to get into that. So I. Uh, you know, I I followed your Instagram page a while back, and uh, and I've loved your photography. But I actually didn't realize till we started talking uh, that you actually did it for a living. And so, why don't you tell everybody kind of how you got into that, and and who you work for, and everything?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I probably do a pretty poor job on on Instagram. I probably should be better with that <laughs> since I do it every day for a living. I have plenty of content, but yeah, I'm bad with that. But uh yeah, um I guess it's man, it started a lot of people ask you how'd you get into it whatever, but man, it started so long ago. We have we have so much old home video of me running around with a I don't even remember, it was a tape camera that my mom had. And uh I mean, we've got pictures of a buck Tyrell killed and I I think I was seven and there's pictures of me, you know, like filming the recovery and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't I you mean, know, I didn't grow up with uh you know watching a lot of hunt television stuff it wasn't necessarily you know I came by it honestly I guess you could say mm-hmm. but uh yeah it, it started way back then the, the passion of of wanting to film and then uh and photograph mostly you know the outdoors and, and hunting fishing and whatnot and uh that's what we we're most involved in that time of our lives and obviously it's carried over the until now but when I uh, when I was a senior in high school, I I planned on just graduating. You know, that's what I thought I'd do, graduate, you know, go to work for my dad. He did construction. I kind of thought I would get into that realm of stuff, even though it wasn't really what I wanted to do. You know, it's you can make a decent living at it. And I never thought I could, you know, be serious as far as making a living filming or, or hunting or anything like that. Well, then on into my senior year of high school, I started realizing, you know, I could probably make something of it. And so I thought I would go to a film school, um, not hunting related, just a film school after I graduated. And that's what I was planning on doing. I'd I'd talked to the the teachers there. I'd figured out what I needed to do. Um, And that was going to be like, it was just like a year-long school. And I wanted to kind of start there, get a good, you know, base, and then, you know, from there try to get into The hunting world as far as filming but through a mutual friend that has a bow shop there in chandler i got hooked up with uh jeff danker who's got you know buck ventures and major league bow hunter and they had just um kind of split ways major league bow hunter and and, uh, buck ventures and so jeff had taken buck ventures and he was in need of camera guys and it was perfect timing so i just called him you know out of the blue i was probably a nervous wreck and uh, i said you know is there any way i could you know come watch what you guys are doing or or film or you know anything i just want to you know i want to get my foot in the door and he was all about it so just because he needed you know camera guys and uh so yeah that's that's kind of how i got my foot in the door I, i worked for him for I think about two years, um, and uh, I'd say that that right there kind of was my my schooling. I got thrown right in the middle of everything with without a whole lot of experience, but you learn as you go for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was, you know, I I, uh, I sure got a lot of experience that first season. You know, I was obviously pretty green when it comes to professionally <laughs> filming, Mm-hmm. television but mm-hmm. um definitely was around some good guys that helped me along the way then the second year and we traveled a lot i mean it was it's a lot of traveling you know one hunt after the other because a lot of shows out there you know are someone's got a full-time job and then they do the show for fun but mm-hmm. there's a you know there's a few good shows out there that don't and and jeff for one made his sole living off of that show mm-hmm. so he was pretty serious about it you know as far as you know there was a lot of time invested and and whatnot because that was his you know his sole income but uh so it wasn't just like we we're running around for fun so there was a lot of pressure you know a lot of pressure on doing your job right which should be any job you know but so yeah that that's definitely where i you know where i got my foot in the door and started i didn't you know i didn't want to stay stay with what you know what he had going on he, great show he's a great guy but I, you know I just knew I wanted to go a little different direction
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so after I think about yeah I filmed two two full years with him and then um, I was a little bit burnt out on it you know mm-hmm. there's you know there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that you don't know about most people don't see mm-hmm. but it, it kind of started to get where like you know i don't want to mess my love of hunting up over you know over doing it for a living right yeah yeah so uh that was kind of a factor for a little bit so i quit doing and i you know i thought i would try something else so i I actually for a little bit started doing you know some other jobs you know not related to filming or hunting or anything Mm -hmm. and it it sure didn't take me very long at all to realize you know i missed it big time (laughs) yeah And, uh, and there, and so that was the hardest part was trying to figure out the balance of, you know, wanting to do it, want, you know, obviously the love of hunting and, and the outdoors and and filming came, you know, long before it's, you know, I made it like a commercial deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was the struggle was trying to find the balance of doing it for a living, but, you know, not selling yourself out, you know, for, for a few dollars, which, And I've seen a lot of people do Mm
2: -hmm.
1: just over a deer, you know, and it's like, man, it it just means more to you that, you know, than that. But
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so after, you know, a few, I think it was, let's see, I think it was about six months that I didn't film as far as, you know, for a job. Mm -hmm. And then I decided, you know, that's for the birds. You know, I want to be back doing that regardless of if it's, you know, hunting or full time or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, I started, you know, trying to figure out, cause then I'm on my own, you know, I'm not working for anybody. When I worked for that first show, you know, I didn't spend a dime, you know, they provide, mm-hmm. you know, everything you need, which is great. Mm-hmm. So then I'm on my own after that and trying to figure out, you know, cameras are not cheap
2: mm-hmm.
1: at all. So I was trying to figure out, you know, how to get cameras, how to get all this stuff and, and start freelancing. And, uh, I figured I'd freelance because that, you know, you can make decent money doing that. And, you know, you get to not be tied down with one group. Um, And then, so I did that for a little while. I had some some good jobs doing that. And then through freelancing, um, I met, I went on a trip with this show called Wildlifers. I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with it. They're out of South Texas. Uh Um, And I went on a bear hunt with them in Idaho and they were, it turns out they were looking for, I guess, um, you know, hardworking producers are probably hard, hard to come by apparently cause everybody's looking. Hmm. Um, but I ended up going to work for them. That was a great job, paid really good. And, and I traveled the most of them. We, we traveled all over. It was, it was really a fun time. We, I got to go to South Africa, Argentina, costa rica i think i went to costa rica four times filming uh like marlin fishing and stuff gotcha so that was that was something different i hadn't done a lot of fishing stuff but yeah that's you know went from there and then last about a year ago i transitioned from working for them to who i work for now which is day six arrows Mm -hmm. um and uh they were looking, they're kind of at the point where they were looking to do some stuff to promote their arrows, you know, without doing TV or anything. They wanted to just start a YouTube channel and start putting out some content like that. So that's where we're at right now, nice. um, filming hunts, and it's, it's actually worked out great. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy I work for, Brian, who owns Day6, he's got some land not far from here, so he does a lot of hunting where i can kind of travel from home Mm -hmm. um so that's awesome Mm -hmm. i'm kind of glad that i'm not traveling quite as much yeah it's kind of nice to and and also with with uh with day six um i get to hunt myself a lot more which Mm -hmm. is (laughs) something i've been wanting to do for a long time
0: yeah that was something i was thinking yeah i was thinking that in the back of my mind and wanted to kind of ask you about that because i'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that are super jealous of you right now like thinking you know you're living the life and everything but uh you know especially if you're like working for a a big time show or something and your job is full-time cameraman i'm guessing you probably don't do get to do a whole lot of hunting yourself is that right No. Mm -hmm. Oh
1: yeah, not at all. So when I worked for Jeff, um, I, man, I hunted very little, you know, in between. So there was several, there was, I think four full time during the fall. Mm -hmm. There was four of us filming full time for, or maybe, I don't remember, maybe two and then a couple other guys part time filming. And so we would, you know, we'd go on three or four or five trips filming. Then, you know, we'd stay back for one trip and someone else would go just to try to not get so burnt out. Uh huh. Um, I know, I know it sounds funny getting burnt out on that stuff, but man,
2: yeah, you oh, sure I, do. When I believe it.
1: When you're traveling like that, uh-huh. oh man. Yeah. And, and it's, it turns, it turns into a job real quick when, yeah, uh, when you're not hunting, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, when i would stay back for you know for one trip i'd get a little bit of time to hunt but it's not enough to you know you can't figure your deer out mm-hmm. you can't it's just tough yeah. so it's kind of like you know you're giving up that you know to me it was as a fair trade because i i'd rather do that than go you know build houses or pour mm-hmm. concrete or you know any trade like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i, I didn't miss it and so that's after uh, you know what, four or five years of that of not getting and i you know i killed a deer i'd probably kill you know a, a nice buck every year or something i'd have enough time to do you know to kill something but mm-hmm. you know not seriously hunt or do much else so after four or five years of that that's part of my decision you know to transfer into where i'm at now
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know i have a lot more a lot more downtime as far as traveling and
2: mm-hmm. and uh he's
1: the guy i work
0: for is all about
1: you know, me hunting and, you know, filming myself and, and stuff like that. So.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. I got one more, one last question before we kind of transition out of this stuff as a, you know, full-time cameraman, uh, and, and, you know, photographer, would you consider yourself like a, a videographer first and a hunter second, or are you a hunter first and kind of a video, you know, which passion feeds, which.
1: Um, definitely a hunter first. Yeah. Um, and and it it's uh it certainly helped me out tremendously. Like having kind of the background that I do. Mm-hmm. I mean like growing up as I'm sure you've talked about with Tyrell, that that was about all we did. We mm-hmm. were we were homeschooled growing up until I was in high school. I went to uh public school when I was in high school, but we had a lot of freedom to, to hunt and to run around. And that was just what we did. So, you know, that, that was fantastic. And I've, you know, I've followed in Tyrell's footsteps a lot when I was younger, you know, and learned a lot from him, but that definitely helped me out a lot when it comes, when it came to filming mm-hmm. because, and most of the people that I have worked for, that's like the number one thing they say is we want you to be a good hunter first mm-hmm. and then a cameraman. 'cause if you get you know there's some people out there that are just fantastic you know cinematographers, photographers, but maybe don't have a whole lot of experience in the woods mm-hmm. and if you're in a in a tree sand
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and you might you know you might hunt ten days to get a you know one chance at a deer and that that deer walks in, you better know pretty well mm-hmm. what you can get away with and what you can't you right. know yeah or or you're gonna end up with uh without a job <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. yeah so so that helped me out a lot you know just having that background
2: mm-hmm. hunting
1: and and you know and whatnot but it just went hand in hand for me when i figured out when we started filming stuff and
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know it was just so cool the first the first thing i ever filmed i think hunting wise as far as in the tree stand was tyrell shooting a uh a doe with his bow i filmed that on on one of those uh you know cameras takes a little tape it was a sony Mm -hmm. camera i don't remember the model but uh (laughs) it's super loud it dings when it turns on you know Mm -hmm. so you had to have it on and rolling before any deer got close but i remember thinking we got back home and and we're watching it back and we thought that was the coolest thing you know (laughs) that you could you could play it back you could see where your arrow hit
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh and yeah it just kind of took off from there
0: gotcha awesome man awesome that's cool and I, I think a lot of people are going to kind of relate to that and find that interesting like i said like there's probably a lot of people listening to it very jealous of you right now so uh, yeah
2: well
1: i i i get that a lot and it's it's like man like, i have to tell myself all the time like you know be satisfied with with what you have regardless mm-hmm. of what it is you know mhm because, you know, people say it all the time. I, I can't tell you how many, like, guys my age or, mm-hmm. you know, they're a little bit younger or whatever. Yep. It's like, man, you, you know, you you got it going on. And it's I've just been blessed. And I was in the right place at the right time. I mean, you know, obviously you work hard and whatnot, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people out there that could definitely do it better than me. But, you know, definitely a blessing for sure. But it's it's not all what it seems sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. But overall, overall it's it's special, no doubt. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Awesome, man. Well, cool. That was a a sweet little uh little bonus segment that I wasn't expecting, but uh yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> find that interesting, so I love it. Uh, but, you know, yeah. the main reason I uh, contacted you is because you've had uh some pretty awesome success twice already this year and uh and so yeah i'd, I'd love to hear about the, that and so you've uh you've got a, a big old muley and a nice whitetail this year and so i'm gonna kind of at this point i'm gonna kind of hand the reins to you and and uh you know let's jump into story time
1: yeah so uh we started this season off um heading out to colorado first part of september um i met a uh, guy who runs day six i met him out there we were going to. Try to find a big muley on public land out there is that there's no over-the-counter units for deer in Colorado but there's units you can draw with you know basically one point Mm -hmm. so I guess it's kind of the equivalent of a over-the-counter elk tag but for deer so we went out there kind of last minute because another hunt fell through he found this tag out there and uh I think we hunted there I went out about four days before him and scouted trying to trying to find something you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we could at least a starting point um and then it was tough I didn't I saw a few really good bucks and of course they were all on the river bottoms and private mm-hmm. and so it was tough and then he got out there in the first day he brought a, a side-by-side out so we could kind of I wasn't going to beat my truck up driving around out there mm-hmm. but we got into some new country and opening day he got on a he we found a really good buck so we started hunting that deer had a bunch of close calls just couldn't make it happen um and then i was gonna go he had to go home on like the 10th i was gonna go buy me an over-the-counter elk tag <laughs> and hunt up there around steamboat mm-hmm. in colorado um but i'm actually building a little house here in Oklahoma and. Mm-hmm. My sheetrockers fell through, so I decided to come home, take care of that, try to figure out the next step on that. So I did end up doing that, and then I headed back to Colorado to film my mom, who um, was given a private land uh, archery voucher up there in Colorado, kind of near where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a pretty special deal. She's been wanting to bow hunt for elk for a long time, but it's... I think it I mean definitely takes a few years as a resident, let alone a non resident, to draw a tag in the in the unit where they're at. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool she got this tag gifted to her and we were gonna go up there, I was gonna film that, try to make a film out of it. Um it's a great piece of property. Not you know, nothing huge as far as mm-hmm. bulls go, but you know, there's a lot of elk. Mm-hmm. We had a great hunt. She ended up um shooting that one. And missing it, it was a quick rush shot and thick timber. So that was a bummer deal. We had a buddy calling for us, called in. Mm. I think he called in four bulls on the last day we were there. He came up and called for us. Uh-huh. And uh, it was crazy because she, she shot at this one elk that came in. And and she actually ended up shooting him. We we thought she – well, she did hit him, but we weren't sure what how the shot was. And it ended up just being like a clean back strap mm. shot. But we didn't know that at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have,
2: because immediately
1: after she shot, two bulls came like mm. probably ten ten yards beside us
2: uh-huh.
1: and uh, stopped, you know, broadside, open lane, bugling. It was beautiful, uh-huh. but you know, obviously, we can not just can't be right. flinging arrows when you're not sure what happened to the first one. Right. So that that hunt ended, and I, I left straight from there on the twenty fifth. I believe it was and headed to South Dakota and met Brian there
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh well so this South Dakota hunt actually kind of started last year we I met last year hunted in the same spot with um of Dakota. His name's Dakota he works um four day six as well and he does all the like he builds and ships out the arrows when people order them So I I went up there to film him on the same piece of ground and he shot a stud mule deer on the first, no, it was the second day of hunting up there. Mm. And so, so we called Brian and we're like, you know, we're done. We're, we're heading out. And he was like, um, he's like, well, maybe Shane ought to go get a tag and and he can hunt. So that's, you know, we were going to do that. Dakota was going to film me. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought I was going to, you know get my first muley then um and it man have you ever hunted south dakota
0: i've not i've been there but i've never hunted it
1: okay it's man i've the more and more people i meet that have they tell me too it the uh, department of wildlife up there can be pretty um difficult on on dealing with when it comes to mm. like getting a tag like that kind of last minute, uh-huh. just cause there's only, you have to go to an office. They, they have kind of finicky hours sometimes. Mm. Um, has to, whatever. And it ended up being like a holiday. Um, so we were, the day I was trying to get a tag, we didn't decide to do it till right when they closed. Mm. Then the next day was a holiday <laughs> and it was just, you know, this didn't work out. So this year, you know, going back to same, same spot, brian is hunting i'm filming him and uh where we're hunting is it's on private ground it's a guy that brian knows up there mm-hmm. he's, i think he's about 30 years old and uh they're farmers up there
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh you know anyways brian has been able to go up there and hunt with them and he's got some incredible ground mm-hmm. i mean it's it's special for sure yeah just the amount of deer and, and age class and uh so it's a you know, it's something we always look forward to. After after we hunted in Colorado, the first part of September, we were like, man, we can't wait to go to South together, just because you know you are gonna you are gonna see something, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure those are two you know. very different hunts, also. Oh, drastically
1: different, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: drastically different.
1: So so it's a special place to start with, and uh, so I think the second day again, we end up getting on we. The first day, we didn't find hardly anything that we were looking for that, you know, we're comfortable shooting. And the second mm-hmm. day, we found a stud. And up there, it, you know, it's it looks open, but it's, you know, rolling hills, and then there's pretty, you know, nasty canyons. Mm-hmm. And you, if you get up, you know, early in the morning, you can catch these deer up on the flats. And then, you know, they're going to pretty qu- quick go to wherever they're going to bed. Mm-hmm. And that depends on, you know, the wind direction and uh so these deer ended up going it was it was pretty windy and they went um down pretty deep into this cut which a lot of times they'll bed you know out in the open pretty high but if it's pretty windy out there they'll go down and bed in these cuts so we lost sight of them um which isn't ideal so we started slipping around and and there were so much um so many deer in this canyon you know, we, we kept bumping bumping does and, and little bucks but we finally saw one of the bucks that was with this big deer we were trying to kill so anyways after after a long several hours of trying to pinpoint where we thought these deer were bedded we figured it out and um, it was kind of starting to like spit rain at this point and it was super windy which is for spotting stock is like ideal in that country you can because they'll you know they'll bed right in a cut bank mm-hmm. or down in this canyon and you can walk without being very sneaky you can walk <laughs> to right to the edge basically yeah now the hard part is is getting from that to you know to where you can have a clear shot and drawing that's the hard mm-hmm. part so we we get on these deer um and we peek over the edge, and sure, sure enough, they're bedded right below us. And uh, so uh, we kind of—he draws. I go. I get right beside him. Instead of being behind him, I get like dead even with him, mm-hmm. you know. And we just, you know, ease up, ease up. And the buck is—he's like 20 yards, pretty much straight below us. And uh, it, it was perfect. He was facing away. There was another buck that was on the near side of him you know facing the opposite way
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he shoots and he we were not quite clear of the bank
2: oh he, man zero
1: hit some some grass and man. deflected like just just enough he hit right below the deer in the dirt <laughs> um so it, we were bummed i mean it was you know it was like a layup
2: uh-huh.
1: and uh you know it just
2: you know it happened yeah
1: and it, it was super windy it was raining and uh well anyways while we were figuring out where this deer was bedded we we knew there was some more bucks about 100 yards from there that were in this canyon we just thought it was a few little ones so we're like on our way out we're gonna go peek peek into there and see if those deer are still there so we do that and i mean we're walking up this little cattle trail down in this canyon peek over an edge and laying in the very bottom is actually the big deer that we thought we had just missed oh there was another one that was (laughs) almost identical but a little bit smaller uh-huh and this deer's laying there 30 yards kind of facing us and you couldn't shoot him where he was at you could just see his head he was kind of behind a little ledge and uh so we we sat there for a long time i mean i don't know i don't know if it was five minutes or 15 minutes mm-hmm. it felt like forever and uh then he he started to get up ryan draws i mean it was it was perfect Mm -hmm. um he kind of figured out we were there he could see us a little bit i think and i mean he yeah he pinwheeled him right before he took off you know he ran 50 yards piled up so that was on the second day Mm -hmm. and we were planning on being there like five days Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so uh you know i I was ready to go home i was i was packing up i'm like i'm gonna get home and hunt october 1st Uh you know because here in oklahoma the first week the first few days really at least up in this part of the country the first week or two you know they're still kind of on that summer pattern Mm -hmm. as far as you know they're still showing up daylight a little bit so i'm i'm ready to get home and shoot a deer and brian's like well well uh you want to hunt i was like well sure (laughs) so uh this time thankfully it, it was still it was still like by the time we got that deer out um it was pouring rain it was a mess by the time we got it out we were like 30 minutes from when the um game and fish department closed which was like an hour away
2: mm.
1: so we're getting on the phone with them trying to figure it out um and they were like you know we, we ended up buying the tag online but you have to have it printed at one of their offices mm. you know on that whatever that certain yeah. material or whatever yeah so anyways this time it was definitely a different experience everybody that we talked to there at that office was super nice super helpful and uh a game warden offered to get print the tag and just sit there and wait on us <laughs> which you know i was like holy cow that's awesome so that's yeah. what happened we get over there meet him get the tag and as we were uh as we got to mobridge that's what it is mobridge south dakota
2: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> it's quite the name but we get there and uh we called the game warden to figure out where he's at, and he's like, "Oh, I meet me at the at the uh, Dollar general. I gotta go check on a moose <laughs> um, a, a random b- small bull moose had come into town, and there there's not there's not many bull moose right there, but I guess they're kind of starting to show up a little more there
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it was quite comical the whole the whole town turned out and was parked along the road, trying to get pictures of it
2: mm-hmm.
1: but uh yeah, we got the tag." And then that next day, I've I've never killed a a mule deer, so my expectations were pretty low. You know, Mm -hmm. anything mature, I I was going to be happy with. Yeah. But uh, the guy, Lane, the guy that we were hunting with, and and Brian, they were both, you know, like, man, let's let's find the biggest deer we can find. Let's, you know, take it down to the wire. (laughs) And, uh, like, right off the bat that morning, we saw an old, you know, big old three-by-three. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, let's go kill him. You know, like that's an old deer. I'm all about it. And, um, Brian talked me out of it. He's like, man, you know, we can, we can find something bigger. I was like, all right, man, I don't care. You know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we keep looking we had, it was, you know, super, it was pretty cool, cold weather, kind of windy, but, uh, we're basically driving around on a side by side, you know, then getting to high points and glass and then just trying to turn up something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, we get on this this one ridge that the long finger and it kind of dies down in you have draws on each side and and then the the uh river bottom way down below it's just absolutely beautiful and kind of off to our left about the same height as us but a little higher is another finger that comes out and then probably like i don't know a quarter mile past that um another like Canyon comes up to a like an alfalfa field edge, and I'm glassing kind of over and we were there for a long time didn't turn up anything but I'm glassing over towards that alfalfa edge and I see a deer over there a buck and I'm like man you know there's it looks like just the way it's acting and and what we'd been seeing so there was two deer two bucks there and I was like man there's got to be more coming up out of there and they were kind of feeding out of that bottom, but we could only see you know like 20 yards of the top of that draw because of that one in between us Mm -hmm. that finger in between us so we sat there and watched him for quite a while and then uh i decided i'd crawl up on top of that side by that can am and get on the roof you know so i could see down in there better and uh, sure enough just out of our eyesight there was like six bucks bedded right in that little (laughs) bowl and probably had been the whole time we were there glassing Mm hmm but so we ended up you know glassing there for a while then um, we drove drove around and hiked into about half half the distance and uh one of them was the deer I ended up shooting just a old you know old deer he had he was a three by on on one side and the other side was like a big uh like a royal almost like a turkey foot mm-hmm. he you know he went up and just turned into like a turkey foot super cool deer and as soon as i saw him because i love i love weird funky deer like <laughs> that i don't know why but as soon as i saw him i was like you're not you know you're not talking me out of this one uh uh-huh. um but uh we thought he wasn't in the best spot to stalk because you couldn't there was no way to get in below him um and then we thought it was going to be like you know 60 plus yards from him to the top of that rim where that alfalfa kind of came down to Mhm. So we kind of came in beside him, got to like a hundred yards, just trying to figure out the best route. And by, at this time, all the deer had left except him and two other bucks. And those two other bucks were, you know, we knew they were gonna, they were gonna hurt us, they were gonna mess us up because they're, you know, when they bed, they're facing, you know, they don't want to die, they're facing yeah. every which way. Yeah. And uh, and they were both great bucks too, but they were. I don't know, I would say probably like three to four um year olds and they they would have they could definitely turn into something special next year or the next two years so um Lane, the guy we we're with, you know, he didn't definitely didn't want to shoot one of those deer. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: and, you know, they're like, Man, I don't you know, I don't know if we can make this stock happen. But the more we, we were looking at it, um, we thought we were like, Man, he's probably not as far from that rim as we think. But it was it was kind of like it wasn't abrupt, an abrupt rim. It was like a, a rolled-off edge, so those are difficult to just get to them and then peek over, you know? Yeah. So uh, we back out, go way around, get up there, and uh, just start, you know, belly crawling super slow and, and quiet, and, it, you know, just inch at a time, get up there where we can find the first two bucks, which are bedded farther, you know, below the deer I'm going to try to shoot. Mm-hmm and uh and they're one of them is facing right at us i mean right right in our direction the other one's um kind of side hill looking and then the the old deer is facing directly away from us which is perfect but uh we knew those other two were going to mess with us but we could the grass was tall enough we could kind of see through it um enough to get in where we wanted to get so we got i mean we ended up getting to i think we ranged we figured the buck was at the bottom of the hill right below the buck was 40 yards so we were way closer than we originally thought we could get Mm -hmm. and we're sitting there all all three of us kind of abreast laying there in the grass trying to figure out what to do because i can't if it was just the old buck you know i could have stood up and and uh you know it would have been perfect but these other two deer had us pinned down and as we're sitting there looking something um the, the deer that had been looking up the hill something got his attention down in the in the valley and he put both ears forward and looked down and kept looking for quite a while and but that other deer was like side hill looking and if you can see their eye that close they can see you mm-hmm. you know they can see movement yeah and as we're watching this this deer that is looking side hill just falls dead asleep. I mean, like head on his side, dead asleep, eyes closed. And at you know, at the same time, all of us were like, you know, now. And so I I get to my knees and uh, kind of draw and stand up on one motion. And uh, Brian was filming filming me, so he you know he rose with me and that you know I, I drew stood up in one motion. And as you know, as I did that the uh the two lower bucks never saw me but that big deer i don't know if he heard something or or what it was but he looked up at me and was you know half a second from bolting and that's when i shot and i mean it made a great shot i thought you know right behind the shoulder Mm -hmm. he was bedded in his bed he hadn't got up yet and uh it was right behind the shoulder you know mid body up and down and they trotted off they had no clue what happened you know um but what ended up happening is is that arrow which i've been told this before but i've never personally shot a deer that was in its bed Mm -hmm. but i guess their insides kind of shift quite a bit Mm. um and that arrow when i when i released i'm like oh man that that deer's dead on his feet yeah perfect shot but find out later that arrow went through um High on the onside lung, like really high, Uh and and liver and gut, Hmm. and and came out, you know, kind of not, you know, the lower third of his offside, which is perfect, you know, if they're standing up, that was ideal. But but we watched this deer go, you know, he went and stopped at like eighty yards for a while with these other deer. And we just kind of sat back down. They had no clue what happened. And then we watched them go probably, you know, 300 yards. And we were like, what in the world? You can see you can see him bleeding. You know, we could see the hole. We could not figure out, you know, what happened. So he goes like 300 yards and goes into this little drainage, pretty shallow drainage, but, you know, out of sight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's, you know, big cottonwoods down in there and we, kind of marked where he went well the funny thing is these other two bucks that were with him stayed right with him the whole time um they all jumped the fence they all ran down through this big pasture and uh they all then they settled down they just slowly you know fed down and none of them were spooked but when they all three of them went over this edge and then immediately after the other two like took up took off running up the far bank in a way you know like spooked Uh uh-huh so, we were, we were like, oh, he, you know, he fell right there. He went down. Because they wouldn't, after staying with him, we didn't think they would just leave him, you know. Yeah. For no reason. So, we figured he fell. And I think that's what happened. But, you know, the more we were talking about it and uh, talked to Brian, a um, guy I worked for. And, and Brian's he's um, had a, quite a fair amount of experience, you know, when it mm-hmm. comes to archery, hit animals. Mm-hmm. And... He's like, you know, we need to go down. You and I, let's go pretty close, a little bit to the right of where that deer went in the canyon, um, upwind of that deer. No, sorry, downwind of that deer. And um, Lane is going to go around and, and maybe just slowly come up that canyon. And this, we sat for about an hour and a half or two hours before we decided to do this. So he had plenty of time. And we're like, just in case he's alive you know lane if anything lane will bump him up and we'll be you know easing down the other way and if he comes up we can get another shot at him Mm -hmm. and it turns out it's exactly what happened we were just easing down getting pretty close to where we knew he was when he busted and came running right to us you know i stopped him at 30 yards and made a great shot on him that time and he went you know 50 yards and died (laughs) but it was pretty crazy i didn't you know Mm -hmm. The difference when they're bedded like that can. It was definitely a good learning experience, no doubt. Yeah,
0: definitely. Well, yeah, that's how that went. <laughs> that's crazy, man. That sounds like an awesome yeah. story. And uh, it
1: was, it was, it was a bonus deer for sure. I never thought yeah. on that hunt I was gonna
0: get attacked. Yeah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I feel like anytime I hear a story or see a story or whatever from like Nebraska or South Dakota, kind of those like like states that have good mule deer, but not not necessarily like your typical mule deer states. I feel like they right, always talk yeah. about how like they always see a ton of does and then maybe some spikes and that's, it's either that's it or they see like the biggest buck they've ever seen. I feel like there's no in between right, yeah. bucks in those states. Like they're either a baby or they're a huge monster.
1: Yeah, no, I agree for sure. Yeah. I've got a, a buddy that hunts a lot in Nebraska and, uh, and this year he went to South Dakota hunting in the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, he's killed some giant, giant muleys in Nebraska, you know, over the years. But, mm-hmm. you know, just from, um, seeing his, his stories and pictures and stuff, he goes, you know, you'll go a lot of miles and, and days without, without seeing a buck worth much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, then, you know, there's a giant, but yeah, yeah, it, it was a, it was an awesome hunt. Old deer. You know, such a cool buck, wide, pretty big frame. You know, he was just a three by three, basically Mm -hmm. not a high scoring deer, but man, I was ecstatic for sure.
0: Yeah. The guard literally fell asleep. (laughs) That's, that's what did him in. That's exactly right. I mean, it
1: it was 100%, you know,
0: that was exactly what we needed.
1: Yeah. We got a lucky break. Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Awesome. So you got your first, uh, first mule deer. And then you came on back to yeah. Oklahoma and, and got back to hunting. So tell us that story.
1: Yeah, so so we ended up, you know, that was on the third day of our hunt. That's when I, in South Dakota, that's when I killed that mule deer. So um, I ended up, I might have my days off, but I ended up coming home um, the day before. No, I ended up coming home October 1st. Mm-hmm. I'm driving driving home october 1st i get home and immediately as soon as i get home i go check a few cameras um and there was a the only deer that i was willing to shoot was this old eight point that um had showed off on one of tyrell's cameras on a place that he had got for him and i to hunt this year it's the first year that we've hunted it um and when, as soon as we saw him He's just a tank of a deer. I mean, probably six years old plus, you know, big old sagging belly, mm-hmm. you know, not a high scoring deer, but big framey eight. And I, you know, I decided that, you know, I'd be, I would love to shoot that deer or try to, you know, at least, uh-huh. at least hunt and and play the game with him. And, uh, and Ty- while I was gone, Tyrell was saying this deer was showing up, you know,
2: regularly.
1: He's like, you can probably kill this deer when you get back.
2: Uh-huh. Um, so as soon
1: as I got I got back, checked some cameras, and then um, we it, we had corn put out and a camera on this place, It's right next to the river. But we didn't have a tree stand up or anything. Mm-hmm. We just kind of set up corn and a camera, and it's along the river bottom. And these deer were coming bedding along the river bottom. It's real thick. Then there's a fence line, and you know so you have a, a hard edge right there, and then there's probably 70 yards of just open and mixed with you know thick johnson grass mm-hmm. and then you have you know 100 yards of or less of rolling sand hills and plump thickets, and then on the other side of that is uh wheat and then the road and then past that is um uh soybean. so these deer were traveling we were getting pictures like a mile from where they were bedding and there was just solid worn down trails going back and forth so it's kind of, it's pretty easy when they're doing that to because when you know in the mornings they're going to be on their way back from food and you can kind of get in and not have to worry about you know deer being there mm-hmm. so on that side of it it was nice but uh um i wasn't going to hunt mornings for a little while so i get home on october 2nd we had and we had to have like a northwest wind to hunt this deer um, so, there was a cold front coming in. As soon as I get, got home, it was perfect. I went in there. Um, I borrowed Tyrell's tree saddle. Never hunted out of a tree saddle before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, got in this thick little tree. And uh, there I saw... It was probably one of the top five sits I've had in a long time. I had so many deer come out. Um, probably five or six different decent bucks um and i actually passed a deer probably one of the bigger deer that i've ever passed
2: Mm -hmm. um
1: not a giant but like a probably 150 pushing 150 10 point just a beautiful deer um but he was you know he's probably just for one of those deer that you know he's a great deer but Mm -hmm. just not not quite what you want to shoot Mm
0: -hmm. could be something special you gonna be oh
1: yeah could be he could turn into something really special i mean you never know Mm -hmm. next year he could be the exact same but um just not you know not the age class that i was looking for and then so that october 2nd was my first set past that deer and and way to my west down this fence line i'm right on the edge of this fence line where the deer are uh, coming out of this river bottom um kind of staging in this area between the trees and the sand hills um and hitting this corn on their way to the you know to their destination field and way to my west down this fence line i I see this huge frame deer come out and he just stays down there raking a tree for he came out decent time but he probably stayed down there for 30 minutes (laughs) um probably 300 yards from me and uh then here he comes. He made his way, circled around, raked a tree like 100 yards from me for a while and then came right into 30 yards and it was that, it's that 8 that I was hunting uh-huh. but it was, it was too dark. It was way too dark. Mm-hmm. I could film him. I got film of him on that. I've got an A7 camera in it. They do really well in low light but it was, you know, way past what I could shoot. So I got some footage of him. He was 30 yards. You know, I got to see him in person and he was, you know, he was ruling the roost for sure. hmm Pretty cool. So on October 2nd, I go back to this same spot, northwest wind still. And about, it was before the sun went down. Sun was still up, but getting low. This eight point comes out of the river bottom again. And he, he just stayed like 70 yards from me, and he kind of did like a half circle around me. He couldn't get my wind. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't trying to get my wind or anything. He was just headed where he was headed. Mm-hmm. Um, goes over, works a scrape that he'd worked the night before, rubs probably like 15 minutes on this tree, um, got some great footage of him, but had no interest in coming around the other deer or, or coming to the corner or anything, which is, you know, not surprising for a deer of that age class and just how they act, you know, different sometimes. Mm -hmm. But he was all over it on camera, so, you know, knew it wasn't like he was you know gonna scare it over or anything yeah. so that night i watched him for you know 30 45 minutes until it got dark he he went out of probably 150 yards from me and and sat on those sandhills with another smaller nine point and uh they just sat there messing around with each other and you know no hurry man it was beautiful <laughs> but so that was two nights Mm -hmm. two nights in a row that I'd had him, you know, first night, 30 yards, but just too dark. Second night, 70 yards. You know, he was obviously so comfortable in that little, you know, that little hole he's in. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, it was, you know, I didn't have another cold front until, actually, that's not true. There was another one, but I went and filmed Tyrell,
2: Mm.
1: but I didn't have a north wind until the 10th and that is when i went and filmed tyrell and he shot that awesome buck on the ground Mm -hmm. um and then after that you know it was another five days until we had another north northwest wind Mm -hmm. um so i went back in there on i think the night of the 14th no it was it was the 15th. Yeah. The night of the 15th, we had that cold front. That was when Tyrell and Carly doubled. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Um,
1: and I, you know, I just knew it was going to be, you know, I was going to kill him. I just knew he would be there. Um, and I didn't see hardly anything that night. It was a slow night for whatever reason. They didn't move until late. Um, so I, on my way out, I pulled that, that card out of that camera to see what was going on. Cause I hadn't been in there for a week probably. And actually that's not true. I was, in between this, I'm trying to figure out how to hunt this deer mm-hmm. without having a northwest wind, um, and, you know, predominantly south wind, mm-hmm. unless you got a cold front. Right. So I ended up coming across, you know, trying to figure out how to hunt them as they're coming back from their food using a southwest wind. So I ended up coming around um, and crossing the river early in the morning in a little kayak and um, going back into this spot and – you know, just hanging right there and hunted and it was, you know, it's a great area, but I just, I I wasn't quite on, him. I wasn't quite where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did try to hunt him that way for a little bit, but I didn't have, you know, time to just hunt him every day. Mm -hmm. So then on the 16th, or I I pulled that card the night of the 15th when we had that cold front after I hunted and he was every morning, he was daylighting on that camera. Mm. I mean, every morning and, the following morning we had a straight west wind and it was pretty cold so that was the first time I hunted um near that camera in the morning so I decided to go back there and uh it was you know it was a perfect morning cold calm the only problem with it being calm though is you can get pinched a lot Mm -hmm. easier but uh it was just a perfect morning so a lot of does not not a whole lot of bucks really but I think it was about seven thirty. Of course, at the same time, I see this buck coming, you know, my way. He's coming back from the fields, coming through those sand hills, straight to straight to my downwind. Comes six does right along the fence, and and he's you know, a hundred yards from him, you know, coming towards me too. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just going to be bad. <laughs> you know, it's got to be that timing when you have does coming down downwind Mm -hmm. so so i'm watching this buck and trying not to forget about these does and these does get to like 25 yards straight behind me and um they all blow out i hear them they don't they don't blow but they take off Uh they definitely winded me well actually one of them blew i think and i see the this buck you know he's still like 100 yards um kind of look over but he didn't you know the does really didn't freak out as much as i thought they would
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh i thought they all left but apparently they didn't one of them had snuck back and was standing there like 20 yards just looking at me trying to figure out what mm-hmm. was going on
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh so this buck is you know making his way right to my tree through the um that thick johnson grass and i'm i'm still filming which obviously makes it more difficult so mm-hmm. i'm trying to trying to get set up on him and sure enough that doe that had snuck back starts blowing Mm. and he's looking he's trying to figure out what it was and he was going to come broadside past me at probably like 30 yards 25 30 yards and as soon as that doe started stomping and blowing um he just stopped and you know he stayed 75 yards out there for a long time just just looking at that doe and trying to figure out what she was doing and uh and then finally she left and he keeps coming but instead of instead of going straight north down into the river bottom he kind of loops around to, to see what maybe that doe was looking at
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and he ends up 5 yards from my tree which is not ideal yeah um, <laughs> not not when you're trying to self film anyways mm-hmm. and and he's a great deer you know a, an awesome 8 but it wasn't something that I was. I would probably have shot mm-hmm. off camera. You know, it was something I really wanted to get on film because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd had encounters with him. I had good footage of him. So he sits there looking right broadside from me at five yards, but I'm in a pretty thick tree and I couldn't shoot him. I've got my camera on him, but I couldn't shoot him. And he's looking at where that doe was stomping and stuff. And he sat there. The whole the whole clip from that encounter was I think eight minutes long, mm-hmm. which is pretty long to to try to hold it together when there's a buck like that in bow range
2: uh-huh. and
1: then finally the the does you know they'd left and disappeared in that thick johnson grass and, and he turned around um quartering away rock walks right out i get my camera all set up he's 25 yards kind of head down away from me um eating on the grass or smelling something i draw and it's so still that he heard me draw he heard my arrow on the wrist, um, and he, you can see him just, like, you know, panic for a second, and it, then he just took off to, like, 45 yards and stopped broadside, but he never saw me. You know, he just knew that he heard something, and after those does were blowing, I'm sure he was kind of on edge,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I wanted to shoot him so bad right there, but I made myself flat down, you know reset the camera zoom in focus and uh he's just sitting there 45 yards trying to trying to figure out what he heard he doesn't he can't see me i'm in a real thick tree Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and uh yes after i don't know he sat there a minute or so and then he looked away straight away from me and was about to you know turn and head on and as soon as he turned away I drew and he kind of heard that again or something and looked back and that's when I shot and um it was interesting I've I've never shot a deer this way but he was a little farther than I shot and so I hit a little lower so I hit him about heart height on his onside mhm but I guess he was so he was like you know he was wheeling and turned over so far I guess that's what happened that the arrow came out like mid body on the other side. So quite Hmm. a bit higher than it did on side entry.
0: Interesting. So it was, so Uh, it was higher on the exit side, much higher. Yeah. Like,
1: I mean, it was like low, you know, just a couple inches above, you know, the white on his on side and then, you know, pretty high, you know, mid body or a touch above, you know, Hmm. still lungs. Yeah. But that's interesting I've never seen you know never seen that happen, but I guess he was wheeling you know away so sharp you know to take off uh-huh. when it hit him <laughs> but it um you know it, it was I guess I got more good stuff that way, and mm-hmm. he didn't make it far awesome. but that was that was a special deer, not yeah. the biggest deer I've shot, but
0: an old deer just just an awesome deer for sure, yeah mm, and that was what day of October. That was the 16th. 16th. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Man, Yeah, You and your brother, man, y'all are early season fools, aren't you? <laughs>
1: hey, I'll, I'll take it whenever I can get it.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. I've
1: uh, I've got a guy coming up kind of this area next week that I've got to go film, so uh-huh. I'll be probably filming for a while. Gotcha, gotcha. you to got to take advantage of it when
0: you can. That's true, that's true. Well, cool, man. Yeah. Well, we're uh, we're coming up on an hour, so we're probably gonna gonna go ahead and shut it down. But I gotta throw this out there. I think you're good luck. While you were telling your uh, South Dakota story, my phone buzzed, and I just got a daylight picture of my number one buck. About a uh, oh, there we yeah, go. About thirty minutes ago. So so yeah, yeah. you're my good well, luck charm. But,
1: yeah, well, I wish I could come film you.
0: <laughs> I know it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, you
1: need to. You need to go get him.
0: I do. I do. I, I uh, actually, I'm taking a vacation day on Friday, and so I should be hunting hopefully by Thursday evening. So about two more days. Very nice. So mm. yeah.
1: Well, good luck to you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, man, I'm trying to think. I, you. Man, you did very good. You covered everything. Um, why don't you tell before we uh, close out here? Why don't you tell people where they can go to find your work, and you know if somebody wants to hire you as a cameraman, I uh, want you you know let them know where you, they can find you.
1: Uh, yeah, so basically, about all I do social media wise is Instagram, and that is Shane Roy with a double underscore between Shane and Roy. Um, and then also, if you want to see some of the films just from the last, uh, year or so since I've been working for day six, you can go to, uh, on YouTube, go to day six gear, um, or their Instagram. I'm sure you can find the link from there, but we, uh, we put out, I don't know, five or six films, I think this past summer, Mm -hmm. um, nothing too crazy, but some, there's some good hunts on there.
0: Um, so yeah, you can, you can check that out. Awesome. All righty, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, and good luck with the rest of your season. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) and there it is thank you shane for coming on i hope you guys enjoyed that one like i said it was a nice long one so i hope it made your day a little easier your week a little shorter whatever the case might be i hope you guys enjoyed it like i said i'm going to keep my part pretty short this week because we had a nice full-length podcast the only thing i have left to say is just get out there and hunt because it's that special time of year that we've been waiting for that time is here uh you can talk, you know, tips and strategies all you want to, but I think the most important thing this time of year, this month of November, is to just be out there, just spend time out there because you like everybody says, you never know when it's going to happen, you never know what could walk by. So just put yourself in a position that you're out there for something to happen. So that's my uh tip of the week, is just get out there, hunt as much as you can, uh tell your, you know, significant other, whatever it might be that I gave you permission and that's all that's important. So, so yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, like I said, follow my social media channels. And thanks again for another great week. I'll see you guys next week right here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.